Hello, beautiful people. Hey. <laughs> Guys, I am so, so excited because I have a special guest with me today, my very best friend, Sarah. Hi, guys. What's up? So, Sarah, just tell me a random fact about yourself. Doesn't even have to be one of those fun facts. I hate those, but just a random fact, anything. I'm putting her on the spot. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to go off the theme that we've been going on today. Okay. Um, I have a dog. His name's Burley. Aww. He's a puppy. Yes. Um, little black lab mix. So um, we've been playing with Rue all day. So yeah. I've been missing him, but Rue's really filling, filling yeah, the gap. I know. I was so excited. Sarah came to visit me this weekend, and we live like a few hours away from each other. So it was nice to see her, but I definitely get that. So I hope Rue gave you a little bit of... A little bit of home. Oh, She's she crazy. Did. So she did. <laughs> yeah, her dog is so cute, guys. I can't wait to meet him one day. Um, but I'm so happy that you're here. It's gonna be so exciting. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and she's a true crime lover, guys. Like we literally like nerded out before this. One hundred percent. So I can't wait to um, share this case with you guys. It's gonna be really exciting. All right, guys, grab your glass of wine and get ready to hear some true crime. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Rebecca Lucille Schaefer. Um, have you ever heard of her before? No, I have not. Okay, I had neither. This is something that I was like kind of unaware of. I don't think it's like super popular, which I'm kind of surprised, but we will get right into it. So as always, I'm going to kind of just give you a little background information about her. Um, Rebecca Lucille Schaefer, she was born on November 6, 1967 in Eugene, Oregon. Such a random place. I've never even knew yeah, that was I like a place. I've never been to Oregon. <laughs> Me either. So, okay. I hear it's pretty, I think, right? M- maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, I've never been, so. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> um, she was an only child to um, Dana and Benson Schaefer. I'm pretty sure, I think Benson, I think uh, Benson was like a child psychologist or something. Oh, and like, okay. so they like knew kind of, they're very like intellectual people Into from what I that. remember. Yeah. Um, I got some of my information too from the ABC 2020 episode that they did. Um, it was called Biggest Fan. So oh. Benson, who is, you know, Rebecca's dad, uh, really had like this really sweet, like he said something really sweet about Rebecca and was just saying that they were very close as a family. And, you know, like obviously parents aren't really going to typically on like in public talk bad about their kids like it's right. not like they're gonna be like Obviously. they suck yeah like, i don't feel like <laughs> that would be concerning <laughs> yeah i feel like we'd be like okay benson yeah. like back off but right. no like it was it was really sweet and i just feel like it wasn't like a fake thing like it seemed like they're really like a close-knit family like they all supported and loved each other i feel like that was like at least from my perspective a really genuine like cute family you right. know family right. of three all cute and perfect and everything um but basically, people said uh, Rebecca was smart. She was a great and obedient kid, and she had a big personality. The dad was kind of saying that, too, about her, just that she was she was always very, like, um, she followed the rules. She listened to them and respected them. You know, like, not like a robot, but she, like, definitely questioned things. But she was also just, like, she wanted to do the right thing. Right. And, she was, like, respectful towards people yeah, and towards rules. Okay. Exactly. So we're going to kind of fast forward. So in... Um, when Rebecca was 13 years old, and this was 1980, the Schaefers moved to Portland, Oregon. So I don't know how far away that is, but they just moved a little bit um, away from where she had grown up in her childhood home. And so 
later on, when she was a junior in high school, she actually began her modeling career. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Hey. Okay. So someone, I guess, had mentioned something to her about becoming a model, and she's like, okay. And then, so it kind of just went from there, and she was modeling for store catalogs and commercials, just kind of the little things to kind of just work her way up and build, like, her portfolio sort of thing. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then at the age of 16, so this would have been 1984, so basically the same year like right 16 she's a junior yeah yeah that's so about she, right yeah right so she moved to new york to continue pursuing her modeling career so this, Dang. Like, this like took off quick that's so a like, big move yeah too. she yeah. must have gotten a lot of gigs she must have yeah and then to feel confident to move to new york city and also her parents like gave her their approval and support like they wow. understood like they were like okay like you're let's do it 16 you're going to new york yeah i'm like guys where are these parents at? I know. My parents would be like, I don't think you're ready for that. They're so. like, no, finish school, you crazy. Yeah, And I'm exactly. like still in school. So they did really well with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so after one year of moving to New York City, Rebecca moved to Japan because she just wasn't finding much opportunity. Isn't that random? Like oh all of a God. sudden, I, Sarah's eyes got big. I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> um, because she wasn't like finding much opportunity in New York. So she was 5'7 and no one was taking her as a model yeah. because she was considered short, which I'm 5'5 five five and I feel like anybody taller than me is pretty like is tall. Like I'm 5'7. I mean, yeah, literally. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, see, but like I swear I've seen like I used to watch America's Next Top Model. <laughs> yeah, as you should. And that is considered short. Like I yeah, think that yeah. you're like but it's so crazy because I don't know, like that's not that short, you know. It's no, because they it's still taller vision. than me. So in my mind, right. I'm like they're tall. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But what's like the average? Is like five ten or what? For models, yeah. I guess. I mean, I have no idea. But mm. I always considered myself. I was like always the taller girl in my class. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, hearing that, that's just crazy because I feel like right. I mean, I don't know how tall like Kendall Jenner is, Gigi Hadid. I have no idea, wow. but they're definitely taller. Yeah, that's tall so true. Skinny. Yeah, yeah, and you don't like we don't get that comparison in person because we just see them in pictures. Right, obviously, exactly. we're not like besties with them or anything. Yeah, but anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. off topic. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so basically, since she was having a hard time, she went to um Japan, but then still struggled in Japan to model, which also culture shock. Like, I mean, in general, Completely. that was a huge. I don't know what all went into like deciding to go there, but like she's on her own, like way, and she's going from New York to Japan, yeah. And so she actually went back to New York pretty quickly after going to Japan, and just decided to start acting. Like she, I think, had got someone else kind of referenced her to other acting jobs and things, and so she was like, okay. So she still had like her little side modeling jobs, but like was really trying to pursue acting because she's like maybe it's more aligning with what she was like meant to do right um so she was definitely the definition of what i would consider a rising star like she was definitely getting her foot in the door of the fame and fortune and she was just young and just ready and ambitious just kind of did ready to do anything and just try it all we love it yeah so rebecca um i'm gonna kind of talk about her like rise to fame so we're going to start first, though, with Pam Dauber, who is a huge part of the reason that Rebecca became famous. So if we know, if we, guys, let's just go back in time, okay, to not Netflix, not Hulu, not the, you know, we're watching real TV here, okay? Um, I know you guys still, some of you still have that out there, but I'm just putting it out here. We're not watching Netflix. It's a primetime actress, Pam Dauber. She's famous, bro, for sitcoms, for any sort of, like, um, real, like you know, like the what is it called shoot soap opera oh my soap gosh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. it was soap opera soap opera yes yeah, she was like in all those really drama shows okay so she's like known 
prime time, okay? She was on a mission for this show, um, her newest TV sitcom called My Sister Sam. She was on her mission to find her younger sister, Sam, who would have been her sister Sam. Yeah. And, (laughs) yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) Right. And Rebecca auditioned, and it was just clear to Pam, like, she was, like, in this 2020 episode, and she was, like, it was just clear, like, she walked in, and it was just, like, okay, forget what you say. Like, you are kind of the perfect girl I'm looking for like she was like the perfect fit they also kind of looked like sisters so okay that's what I was gonna ask yeah Yeah. like do they look alike yeah they kind of did okay so this was a huge thing for Rebecca because like right now like she's not really known like she's doing these little side things and now it's like someone famous from all these different like tv shows is like gonna be her big sister in a tv sitcom like how cool yeah so imagine basically they became really close. They had to get to know each other. They, um, Rebecca is now 18 years old and she moved to Hollywood to do this. Like she moved there. She's kind of a newbie in Hollywood. So Pam being the awesome gal that she is, at least it seems like she took her under her wing. She was like, girl, I got you. So she let her move in with her. She, I mean, she really seemed like a big sister and they built a friendship on and off the cameras. And it was it was really exciting. So the TV Guide, which is a magazine, um, back I mean I think it's probably still made. I don't. I know, know what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. Literally, I didn't really it was know, like but on until my I... grandparents' table. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like a famous. Yeah. It was like the number one magazine in the United States with four with forty million readers a week. Well, and I think it showed you like what was on that week or, yeah. or something. Yeah, you know, like before you would look at it on your TV. So yeah, again, so random. Convenient. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Wow, so. I'm so glad because I had to look a little bit more. Once I saw the cover, I was like, okay, I've yeah. seen this, like in a doctor's office, maybe. Yeah, but it was like no, old. So when is it? So How's it beneficial? Yes. You know. Yeah. Um. Okay, but anyway, she was in that, so that was really exciting because that's like the that's number a one big, magazine, right? Um, big and move. then she was on the cover of Seventeen magazine. Can we talk okay. about that? I would have. Right. I would still live to be on. I know any cover of a magazine, well, especially if she's like eighteen at the time yeah. and she's a teenager still. That's yeah. like she's appealing to her audience of people her age. Like right. that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, really, it was just like this fame is just like really like hard and just rare to come by. Like it's not something right. that just like falls into your lap. And it just seemed like she was just like this bright personality who was just like taking in every experience that she could get and just running with it really. Um, so somebody else I want to mention that had a big role in her life was Brad Silberling. Um, he was a 23 year old man and she was 19 at the time when they went on a blind date together and they met each other. Um, Brad was a UCLA student studying film. So kind of like a little up her alley and like interest wise. Right. And their relationship became very serious within the first few months of dating. Like they, they were just both really mature and just like kind of ready, I think for more from what it seems. And Rebecca mentioned even moving in with Brad. He also was in the 2020 episode and was just really like saying that she was ready like she was just like excited and just ready for life you know to start it and to continue it so overall basically Rebecca's life was going amazing but as we know when you become famous life gets hard right absolutely life is hard in general but complications come up yes so we will um take a little peek into that I can imagine that (laughs) this story is about to get complicated can't wait So being a celebrity and all that stuff, like we said, there's a lot that goes into it. And Rebecca definitely rose to fame very quickly. So she was known still as like in the Hollywood industry as someone who was naive. Just she was very trusting of other people. And Brad, her boyfriend, 
um, even mentioned that she just didn't consider herself as like famous. Like she didn't think she was a celebrity. Like she just was living this normal Oregon girl life. Yeah, she's a normal girl from Oregon. Yeah. And so she's just living this life, doing her thing. And she did not see herself as a celebrity. So then basically I just want to kind of touch on the people like Sue Cameron, who was a friend of Rebecca's and she kind of just helped her navigate her way to fame like how to live her life she already is under the wing of pam you know she's got her and she's helping her and she's mentoring her as we go and the tv show and all these things but she just need i mean that's a different life like it's a different lifestyle i can't even imagine how different it is from my oh, lifestyle currently yeah no literally <laughs> like, i'm like you have to like get up you put people makeup know on you. yeah like i i wouldn't feel so like aware of my appearance oh definitely and like everything you do is out there yeah everything yeah even back then like because yeah I mean, it was just even in the you know the 90s and the 80s like things are very known still in a different way but it's still paparazzi magazines yeah all of that. that's still a thing yeah yes no social so, media but you know right so a little different no, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. but yeah so sue cameron was someone who really helped her out and Basically, Sue walked in one day, and she's kind of, you know, gotten her way through the industry, kind of knows what's going on, and she saw Rebecca writing letters back to fans who sent letters, like, into her, like, fan mail. Right. And how singing cute, so little sweet. Rebecca writing letters back saying, thank you so much, like, you you rap too, like, you know, all the things. Well, and can you imagine how excited those people were, like, to receive something back from a celebrity? I like, would lose I used to write, my mind. Yeah, I used to write... Okay, sorry. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me. Okay, so I used to read like Teen or Tiger Beat and J14, those magazines. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And at the end, it would have the addresses for like, you know, your go to Jonas yes. Brothers, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. I wrote letters and sent them to those addresses. Never did I ever receive anything back. Oh so gosh. I'm just saying those people probably felt so excited when they got oh letters back. Oh my from gosh. Like people these days, I hope that people are still sending things in to oh. P- like P.O. boxes and yes. doing like the, the little letter writing. But now it'd be just DM people. But I'm like, that's right. a whole nother thing, dude. Like, no. I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, it's just a whole nother, like, take me back, you know, to the right. letter writing Right. I took the days. time to you. You sit there, you write like a letter and cute ink and like yeah. maybe draw a little picture maybe send like a little i don't know i don't even know what i sent but you're like oh i'm such gosh. a big fan i love you joe jonas <laughs> hey joe jonas hey, how joe. you doing <laughs> i hope you're listening right now yes oh my gosh so true so she was writing letters back and sue immediately told her to stop doing that so dude how do you feel now that you know what if someone told joe jonas you can't write her back would you say what the crap i'm your number one fan like i i would be like so sad i would be so sad but knowing that i don't have bad intentions because right. you know like thinking about that i feel like it makes sense yeah that sue would be like don't get too like close to these people or like yeah. don't try to make them feel a certain way about right. you because this could get weird yeah and that was kind of her point like she was like she'd been in the industry i don't really know much about sue but just that she had kind of seen and done the hollywood life a little bit longer than rebecca so she was just still helping her you know kind of learn the ropes and do all the stuff and she was just saying like yeah there's like a line and a boundary you need to have with your fans because you're not friends they're fans and you're living a different life and things can get kind of misinterpreted through your letters so you don't want to lead anybody on in a totally innocent way in friendship or whatever like i mean it's just you need to be conscious of those things and the boundaries need to be set 
So, and you can't respond to everybody, especially because she's getting famous so fast. Like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, at first, I didn't realize that, but once that was said, I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. Right. Because she's just a girl from Oregon. She's like, yeah, I'd love to respond to these people. But as you get more famous and you get more busy and everything right. like that, you don't have the time to respond to everyone. Mm-hmm. And God forbid this ends up like a stand situation. Oh. Eminem. Oh my gosh, that song. Please don't. Oh my gosh. I know. That was a bad situation, but actually yeah. I'm I'm have a feeling this is going to be worse. So. Yeah. Yikes. Um well, okay. anyways, I will <laughs> not speak on that. <laughs> um so Rebecca moved out of Pam's house at one point and she moved into at first she moved into a quiet like house, like a quiet neighborhood, just kind of into her own house away from a little bit out of Hollywood, so there was less busyness, traffic and noise. But then after living there for a little bit, she ended up moving back kind of or more into Hollywood and at a small apartment complex that was a part of like kind of the busier part of California. So having experienced stalkers, Pam was just very like Pam. Remember Pam Dauber? She was very experienced in kind of just limiting the boundaries, kind of what we're going with, like the with the fan letters and all that stuff. Like she was very experienced with just trying to limit those boundaries. So she made sure to really let um, Rebecca know because she's taken under her wing and all this stuff that she shouldn't put her like name on her mailbox because that was like a really big thing too, like putting her name on a mailbox. And again, normal old Haley over here. If I said Haley on it, they'd be like, cool. Yeah. I Here's Haley's yeah, mail. Let me right. put it into her mailbox. Right. <laughs> no one. But if they're going to see, well, one, if they have any idea that she lives near there oh. and they see Rebecca, they're going to automatically probably think of her if she's, yeah. you know, that big. Right. And I mean, if she put her last name, obviously that gives it away. But, right. you know, right. if you have any inkling that there's Rebecca Schaefer there yeah. and you see Rebecca, you're going to think it's her. So. Right. So you just Dangerous. need to be cautious of that with her, like, immediate rise to fame for sure. So Brad also mentioned, like, you know, her boyfriend um, mentioned that when Rebecca was living alone in that apartment that she did, like, call him a few times scared at night because she heard noises. And she's just not used, like, she wasn't really used to the busy life again of living at an apartment building, not just in a house. And then it was, like, louder, more things were happening. And so I think she was got a little freaked out, but, like, nothing ever came of it. But he remembers, like, in the interview, like, he was saying that he remembers her calling and being a little bit worried sometimes. And he would just stay on the phone with her. So. That's sweet. Yeah. I, I know. Good really. boyfriend. Hey, Brad. <laughs> um, yeah. So now we're going to the summer of 1987. Sue Cameron, you know, her right-hand man, her hype man, her OG, was with Rebecca at the Warner Bros. studio. So they were kind of in between shoots. They were kind of just doing all the stuff and um, in her trailer. And the security calls to Rebecca's trailer and said that one of Rebecca's friends is at front with out at front, like uh, the front gates, I guess, of um, the studio and has presents and really wanted to see her. And Sue, you know, our girl, kind of watching out for her. She's a seasoned gal. Yeah, I know. She's just, like, so level-headed. She tells security that they weren't expecting anyone, so just to not let them in. And then they continue on with their date. Like, don't think much of it. They're like, okay, uh, I don't... We weren't... Like, they're also working. Like, we're in between and we're in her trailer, but, like, there's things that need to still be done. So they're just, like, going on with their day. Not, not long after, security has to tell the same man that he cannot go to see Rebecca and needs to leave. And as they say this... The man gets very, very upset, like appears very upset, like 
angry, not just like, oh, man, you know, like upset. Not like disappointed. Right. But like, yes. Good let way. me back there. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And the and then again, though, like no one, no one like called the police. No one did anything. But he was very agitated. and It was kind of freaky. Like the security guards remember this man just getting really mad about that. Yeah. Which is very like that's something you'd remember because you'd be yeah. like, why are you behaving that way? Yeah. And I'm like, if I'm coming to see you, you know, one day at your trailer, like when you're out, you, you know, my little famous Sarah out oh. here. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> and like, you can't see me. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. No problem. I'll be back yeah, later. Yeah, like I'll get in contact yeah. with her later. Like, Not for like, sure. Hope you she's better doing... let me back there right now. Like, yeah. That's, and it was probably more than that. Yeah. So. Seems suspicious, right? So while filming the second season of My Sister Sam, the ratings started to like decrease drastically and this was it was like a whole political thing i felt like sorry i use that term lightly (laughs) um but it was mostly because like the strategic way of like um like getting the shows on air so like most mostly it was because they moved the show to saturdays which was typically the day that the facts of life which was another big tv show was on air so like that was what that day was for was the facts of life and they're competing yes and they moved it from their original day to that saturday so like people just weren't like it was just changing the game of how when they were scheduling their time to watch it so it kind of just like really lowered their views and it was but in the first season was like bomb bro like any of the popular shows right now like that's what it was okay it was blowing up like people were insane you know she was in those magazines like it was insane so all of a sudden you know rebecca's like no problem like she moves to other roles and you know she's young she's like embracing her life like she's literally like cool no problem let me just go to other things so she ends up going to other big roles and her next one was in a film called scenes from scenes from the class struggle in beverly hills sorry it's a it's an awful yeah that's a long title yes it was a little bit of a different role for her compared to my sister sam because my sister sam almost reminds me of like a full house type vibe is like that's what it sounds it was like, like a family show you know what i'm saying so i don't know about this other one but basically she has a love interest and it wasn't so pg when i would say full house in my mind i know it's not the same but I've never seen my sister, Sam. And it feels like, yeah, anyone in your family can watch it and, and like it and find right. something good. And it's pretty G. Like, yeah, G-rated. You know. Nothing so, scandalous. Exactly. So that's just something else to keep in mind. Um, so I'm just going to kind of a little bit talk about this mystery man, this mystery friend of Rebecca's, let's say. Okay. His name is Robert Bardo. Ooh. Yeah. Beautiful name. <laughs> um, he's 19 years that. old. He basically, like, when I'm looking up background info on him, there wasn't, like, a ton of detail, but basically that he had a troubled childhood and that he was abused, um, like, in his childhood, and it was just kind of traumatic for him. So that really makes me sad because that's never good to hear. Um, A teacher of Robert's also said, quote, he was, well, he was, quote, a time bomb on the verge of exploding. Oh, cool. Did we tell anybody that he was a time bomb on the verge of exploding? Did you just keep that to yourself or what? (laughs) Like, what's, what is your reasoning behind that? Excuse me, I'm a school counselor and I would, if there's anything I could report, I would do it. 100% as you should. That's your duty. Yes. It's like your duty as a teacher and a counselor and any person. So, and then the other thing was that he was hospitalized twice for severe emotional damages. And I don't know to what extent that means. I don't know, like, you know, but... It definitely is something that, like, we would want to look more into to help him and to figure out, hey, like, as the adults or the people in his life, like, how can we help this troubled kid, you know? So, 
it was known that Robert became a little bit obsessed with Rebecca. He's the friend, you know, he's just like as we suspected. I mean, yes. Can we just can we just transition a little bit better into this? You know, <laughs> like this man. He's just you got to watch out. You know what That's I'm saying? Why you need the boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. But little did Rebecca know. I know. And so it's horrible. Basically, he would record certain shows with just Rebecca in them or interviews that Rebecca had. Just he was obsessed. OK, um, Robert sent in many letters to Rebecca and she ended up responding to one. Ooh. I know. Ah, Sue, you should have gotten I there quicker. Oh, come on, Sue. Ugh. But ugh, her letter you know? said, Yours was one of the nicest I got. Oh, okay, so <laughs> let me let hear me out, okay? When I tell you if I text you that, Sarah, yours was one of the nicest I got. Do you think that we're besties? <laughs> like what would you th- I mean, seriously, in a letter, it's like you can misinterpret that. Like you could think oh. that they're like truly in love with you like i mean for sure it's insane like well and if you're in a certain mental state if you're already kind of prone to that if he's maybe had a past of being obsessed with other women or right obsessed with honestly anything then he's going to take that the way that he wants to take it and he probably took it as you're the best person ever and i want to know you and come find me kind of like that sort of deal so again i think he interpreted it probably how he wanted to and i think you're very right because robert our man robert he's not mine i'd take that back i don't want him um he also was obsessed with other celebrities classic but like okay here's my thing when i say i'm obsessed with something let's let's define this really quick because when i say i'm obsessed like i'm obsessed with rue my dog Okay, no, let's do something else because that's actually I really love her a lot. <laughs> but I'm but I'm not going to like dick. I don't know. It's like it's not like I'm going to dictate every part of who sees her, what happens. Like I'm not a control freak about her because she's I mean, it's kind of a bad example, but like I can't. I'm not obsessed with the fact that I need to always have her all the time around me be like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Can yes. Because like you find something a little bit more. Let's bring ourselves back to this like teen or i keep saying teen beat tiger beat yeah situation yeah. so like let's say we write joe jonas a letter and we like love him we have posters of him on our walls we mm-hmm. think he's so cute and probably kind of a similar feeling that right. robert had about rebecca but okay if he responded that i'd be like oh my gosh but you don't find me hunting him down i mean one i would be like a 12 year old probably or like maybe like nine or ten so i, I'm, I get definitely, that image out I little can't, Sarah. i can't hunt him down if even if i wanted to but right. regardless it's not an aggressive obsession and i think yes. that that's maybe the difference is it's a very innocent obsession and again we're 10 9 10 11 12 years old so maybe we can't even have that sort of obsession but 19 years old you know he like going- might have had those experiences in the past where he and obviously he was abused and everything so that plays right, a huge part right and him Definitely. already being emotionally unstable maybe because of what we barely know about his history but like yeah no I, I mean I totally I totally agree with that and I think it's more it's like a it's like a logical and thought press process type thing too where you start to then dream up these things but you start to blur reality with like imagining and fantasizing like it's almost like it's a blend so you don't know what's real and what's not you can convince yourself that something's real when it's not and especially again if you have you know prior mental health 
um, you know, situations yeah. where you've done that. And so yeah. I think that that definitely probably sounds like it played a part here. Yeah. So you, I mean, you're, you're very correct. And, um, one of the people too, that he, he actually had a past of this, like you were saying, and I kind of mentioned briefly, Madonna, Debbie Gibson and Samantha Smith were the celebrities that he was known for kind of being genuinely obsessed with. Okay. Like for real obsessed, he even took a bust, uh, from, to Maine, sorry, in order to meet Samantha Smith. And I think he, I think he, I mean, correct me if I, I'm trying to think. You said something about 9, 10, okay. I think he was 13 when he did this. Like, I'm trying to do the math in my head when I'm thinking about how old he is. So, I think he was 13 when this happened. Which, like, seems innocent, you know? Yeah, like, you but just take a, gr- a nice old bus. You want to go see your favorite person or your favorite star? I mean, okay. But he know? sought it out. He went, and he... And the only reason it, his obsession ended is because there was a plane crash, and Samantha Smith died. Oh. So, wow. that ended it for him. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, that is kind of a little... In a nutshell of who we're kind of like going to be speaking about a little bit further. All right, Robert. Side note, okay? We are going to really, really quickly talk about Teresa Saldana. This is kind of important in the fact that like this kind of what happened to her changed and influenced Robert's perspective on his obsession with celebrities. Okay. Teresa Saldana was famous for her role in Raging Bull. She was attacked and nearly killed by a stalker at her home in the early 80s. And that person was Arthur Jackson. Basically, he got he began his obsession with her early on. And he almost interpreted him himself as being the person that like she was speaking to in her films and her in her shows, all the things. So he kind of put himself in this like position and really took it to another level and that's what we're talking about when we were like you know when we're talking about that obsession it's like you're you're blurring reality right it's like a fantasy that you're the person she's talking to and thinking about and all of that because that's what you want it to be yes it's not right and so he ended up aka who i'm talking about is arthur jackson he hired a private investigator to get saldana's address but instead the pi found Teresa's mom's phone number so he hired a private investigator, okay? He said, look, 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 figure out where she is, let me know. But instead they got the mom's number, so they went with it. And they ended up pretending to um, deliver Teresa's new script that she was, like, kind of had for her role. To They pretended that they needed the address to deliver the script to her house. Oy. Yeah. So he showed up and ended up stabbing her with a knife and that he had brought with him. But she survived. She survived. This man did not fully commit. You know what I'm saying? Which, thankfully so. Strong Teresa. Yes. So, she ended up just, like, living on and, like, you know, kind of speaking her truth, just living out there and being, like, she made this film called Victims for Victims, like, this whole thing. Okay? So, that's important because Robert Bardo heard about Arthur Jackson and what he had done a little bit before um, with Teresa Saldana. And this is just kind of what inspired him to do kind of a similar twist with Rebecca. So Robert hired a PI just like Arthur and instead his PI went to the DMV and he actually was able to get Rebecca's address from the DMV. 
What? Yeah. Where's the privacy there? Like, you know, how is that even possible? There wasn't. There was there was no law, no policy put into place that I'm aware of that I've researched that even stops someone from getting someone else's state resident like address. Like you're, that is so scary. <laughs> yeah, and you just walk up. Hey, I need like I need this if that was the case, address. we would have said, "Hey, Jonas Brothers." No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> so kidding, but <laughs> how many references to the Jonas Brothers? I know. Let's make? see. I this is it. the third one. Um, <laughs> so. Really quick, I just kind of want to interrupt this with um, a quote from the one and only Robert Bardo. He said, quote, I have an obsession with the unattainable, and I need to destroy that which I cannot obtain. That was found in one of his diaries later. uh, Okay, well, it makes sense, but I just don't understand it. And that's the thing is I would love to understand, like, that psychological aspect of you love this person or you're obsessed with this person. So then why... Well, I'll let you keep going. But, yeah. like, why? No. A very, you know? very valid question. Why? I totally... Makes no sense. I still ask that, even knowing what happens. So, July 18th, 1989, Bardo traveled from Tucson, Arizona, all the way to Los Angeles and to Rebecca's apartment. Rebecca was in her apartment waiting for a script... Oh my god. To be delivered. She had a new role, which was kind of like an off role, like something that she's not normally like used to. Um, to be in the Godfather Part Three movie. Whoa. Very different from her homey family. Yeah, and that's know. a big one. Yeah. So she was waiting for the script, just kind of chilling in her house. Um, Rebecca hears a knock at her door, so she assumes it's a script and she's eager eager to read it. Opens the door, but instead she finds nineteen year old Robert Bardo at her door. With a letter in his hand, a picture of Rebecca, and she's like, what? Yeah, who <laughs> like, are you? <laughs> Hi, you got my script? You yeah. You know, like, um, so Bardo allegedly confronted Rebecca, stating that she had lost her innocence, because remember when I mentioned that, that show, Class Struggle in Beverly Hills, she had that more of that, like, it took it past PG, like, it was more of, like, an intimate love interest, um, this was, like, the turning point for him, like, he was like, you're no longer innocent. You're not You're not the Rebecca I know, you know, sort yeah. of vibe. That's where things changed for him. So what you were just saying earlier, I'm like, yeah, that's probably what it, what it was a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's kind of like, you're not the same person. Yeah. yeah. And Rebecca kind of being like, what? She, they kind of exchange small talk. And then Rebecca kindly but abruptly ends the conversation. And she was like, oh, like basically told him to leave and to take care. Um in her kind Rebecca way. An hour later, so he leaves, okay? An hour later, there's another knock at the door. Oh my god, Rebecca. Look through your peephole, people. Yeah, seriously. I mean... People, people. (laughs) I know. I said that, I'm like, But seriously, like... I mean, don't just open it. Especially when you're, like, again, she didn't know that she was as famous as she was, but like, well, considering what just happened, definitely look through the peephole. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. An hour later... There's another knock at the door. Once again, it's Robert. Except this time, he's holding a .357 Magnum pistol. And Bardo Mm. ends up shooting 21-year-old Rebecca Schaefer directly into her heart. So, obviously, this is... It's a gunshot. Um, One of the neighbors, Richard Goldman, had heard the screams that came from Rebecca's apartment doorway... And the foyer of the apartment complex and the gunshot. He ran 
and found Rebecca laying in her doorway, um, like, almost dead. Like, I don't think she was a completely, like, gone yet, but basically there. So, that being said, Bardo, being the intelligent man that he is, haha, I'm kidding, people, kidding, he was arrested the next day. Do you want to know? Do you want me to tell you how this man was found? Yes, I would love to Okay, know. I would love to tell you also. So, he was found running. <laughs> I can't do this. Running through traffic on Interstate 10. And witnesses thought it looked like he was just trying to get hit by a car. Like, He's just on he? the interstate. This what man, is he doing? First of all, traffic. Okay, how fast are we going? Well, and what I for my here, I don't know that this is back in the eighties too, but I hear California traffic is the worst. So, so I'm like, we're not moving. So busy. Good like, job, Robert. Know. You're gonna get, I mean, hit by a not moving car. You what? What, is what he a up lunatic! To? Okay. What a lunatic! So obviously things are not well for this man. Like, yeah. Come on. Okay. So not funny at the. I'm not laughing at the thing, but I'm just saying, oh my gosh, this He's man. Dumb, yeah. he, there's. I mean, he literally gets caught and arrested the next day. Like, he's not he's not far gone, okay? So, during his trial, his attorneys argued that Bardo was unstable and suffered mentally and just was just needing, I guess, he was needing more resources and help because of his trauma that he experienced as a kid. And again, I have all the, as a kid, as kid Robert, I have so much, like, sympathy and yeah, empathy absolutely. for that. Like, no one should go through trauma and abuse and especially as children if it's like a parent i don't i don't know all the details but like i feel for that absolutely robert as a kid it you plays know? a part it plays a huge part in his yes. later life and it's so sad to think about but it's never an excuse no but know? as an adult robert because of what happened like it doesn't mean that you kill someone and you no. shoot somebody no. so i don't have any empathy for the adult robert um marcia clark interesting fact um was the prosecutor in this trial and she's known for the oj simpson i was um, just gonna say yeah. that sounds so familiar yeah yeah, okay. yeah so that was kind of interesting but she got him convicted she tried and convicted him um so oh, on Marcia. i know a um december 20th 1991 robert bardo was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life without parole thank you finally yeah finally Bye, robert a life without parole thank you Okay, so I want to really quickly, though, read a quote again from Robert. Um, and this was a year, it was like an interview after like a year of, after the killing of Rebecca. He says, quote, I was a fan of hers and I may have carried it too far. But a lot of things have appeared in the press to make me out to be a monster. If I had one wish where if it was to come true, it would be for Rebecca Schaefer to be alive today. That is Robert. Some BS. Okay. First of all, you may have taken it too far. Uh, yeah, you took it too 1, far. 1,000%. Okay? There's no doubt there. We right. all know it. Everybody right. knew it. Okay. Second of all, you're the one that did this. So, um, I'm sorry. You know, like, yeah, like there's you, no, nobody's going to feel bad if for you. If you had one wish, then don't do it. Exactly. Like, ooh, yeah. That so man, I'm just like, I read that and I was like, this is insane. It makes me mad. So I had to include it. Yeah. <laughs> so you can feel my pain. Absolutely. <laughs> But, okay, the the aftermath of all of this, so M- Bardo was sent to a maximum security unit for inmates with sensitive needs at Mule Creek State Prison in California. There were also other people, like other inmates, like examples of people who were there were um, inmates that convicted, 
were convicted of sex crimes and gang members. So it was pretty like the high, guys. high, like maximum security, like when they say that. So in 2007, an inmate who was also convicted, wait, who was convicted for second degree murder, stabbed Bardo 11 times on his way to breakfast. Oh, just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Good morning. Like what? Hope you like your eggs. <laughs> no, like. They make it seem so casual. Yeah, okay. I know, right? Jeez, so but he, I mean, was, he deserved it, but, you know, yeah, it's still bad. Yeah, so he was treated at the University of California's Medical Center and then oh, was brought back to the die. prison. No, he was straight up. How? Oh, my God. He was still living. Like, I don't know where he got stab wounds? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was so, just assuming he died. No, okay. so I thought, so I know lived. I was going to not include this other part, but I'm like, I need to. So he went back to prison after yeah. he got fixed up. Okay. Um, And there's... Basically, I just wanted to conclude this podcast with there's no way like that you can give back Rebecca's young, ambitious and energetic life that she was living and leading. And she was someone who was just like taking on life and just like doing like living her absolute best life. She seemed like someone I would want to be friends with. Like for sure. I she wish was humble. And, yeah. You know, appreciative and all of that. Exactly. But even though it was just such a tragic thing that happened to Rebecca, there are a few fundamental and kind of positive changes that happened in our justice system and in policies and laws. So this trial really did shed light on the need to pass laws that protect people from stalking. Because I don't think, I mean, I don't typically, like, I don't think of people being stalked. Like, that's not the first thing I think of. When I'm thinking of true crime, at least, I don't think stalking leads to some sort of crime that's being committed so i do think it's something that needs to happen way more especially with technology right and i don't know i just feel like it's definitely something that i overlook well and if you think about it like especially with social media you know yeah. you're posting on your instagram story your snapchat story facebook whatever yeah. hey i'm here i'm doing this like you're telling people where you are at all times or what you're doing and so that just gives people like an inside peek into your life and yeah. another way of stalking, you know? Yeah. Like, and even like you, you made a good point. Cause even like on Instagram and stuff, like when people put locations, it's like so innocent. Right. You're like, I'm just here. And like, what if you live there? Like, you're not just like visiting a place, but like you live there or like you're just going to your favorite restaurant and you add a location. Like it's something so innocent that can be taken so far, especially if someone is really like paying attention to your every move. Exactly. The yeah. right person would use that and, you know right right yeah so it really it made a movement kind of at this time right after the case and everything to just come out with laws in the states that was more against it was like the anti-stalking laws came about and also the remember the dmv just let hey here's let me just print her address or whatever the driver's privacy protection act was passed as well so this kind of just protects the people that are residents of certain states and just that the dmv is prohibited to give out any addresses and that's like how it should be i'm so surprised it wasn't like that but again yeah. i guess it's not like that until something happens right you know? right yeah so that was the case of rebecca schaefer oh it's so sad I like know. i just hate i don't know just things like something that's so innocent and so like nice turns so bad and yeah. it's like and it puts, like, such a bad rap on, you know, being, like, a big fan because right. you're not, like, trying to hurt them. Like, you really no. look up to them and everything. Right. But, you know, in the circumstance of Robert, he was not in a right. good place. And that was not good for Rebecca. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. 
I know. So I just hope that this kind of brings more light to the stalking and what needs to maybe be done. And maybe for your life too, personally, like just being like, being aware of like what you're posting on social media, being aware of what you're saying to others, because it really is something that like, it's like a 0.01% chance you think, but we always think things can't happen to us. And I just want everybody to be safe. So I feel like this is kind of a little bit of awareness for that as well. But Sarah, it was so good having you. <gasps> thank on this you, podcast. thank you, thank you. I had so much fun yes. listening to this and being a part of this. So thank Yay. you so much. Well, guys, I hope to be back soon and we will hopefully have another chilling case. But if you have any recommendation recommendations or anything to give, please send them in to our Instagram and it's at a bottle of crime. So just hit me up if you have any ideas. Thanks. Bye guys.